Well, in our world today, uh, there are many words. There are so many messages around. You think about from the moment you wake up, whether it be your phones, your computers, your TV, the newspaper, the magazine, social media, messages, emails, it's all going around our heads. Everyone has a message for you about everything. We've been bombarded with messages, how to live your life, what to believe, what to do, what to listen to, what's right and what's wrong. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you've probably said something like, what's God saying to me? I wish God would just tell me what to do. Where's God's voice in all of this? And while we all know we do have the Bible, some of us still look for things like visions, dreams, audible voices, clouds of heaven opening up, wishing, waiting, and wanting for God to speak to us clearly. And in our waiting, our wanting, and our wishing for this, with our itchy ears that we have, sometimes we get impatient too. Or sometimes we get sucked into listening to other things, whether on purpose or by accident. And we get sucked into the ways of the world, whether it's from the TV, the internet, a celebrity, a certain thinker, or even our own self-centered thoughts. We think that God is silent, or God isn't speaking to me, or we want, to, we want God to speak to us in other ways, that we forget that God has spoken, that God isn't silent, that God has spoken through his word, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the word of God. And in our forgetfulness or our ignorance, we listen to other things and we drift away from God slowly and slowly. We stop listening to God and we follow the ways of the world around us. Well, as we look at Hebrews 1 this morning, Hebrews 1 answers this question. Is God silent? How has God spoken? And if you want to hear God speak, where do you go? You see, the first readers of this letter to the Hebrews, these Jewish background believers, they were beginning to drift away from the good news of life in Jesus. They were moving back. They were moving back to rituals, to the Old Testament, to ceremonies, symbols, things that pointed to Jesus, that pointed to God's saving work. But in and of themselves, they were empty, lacking, a shadow of the reality. So the author of Hebrews uh, is saying in this whole letter, he's saying, don't drift away. Don't refuse the saving message of Jesus. Don't live in the shadows of the gospel. And instead, to listen clearly to the saving message of God found in Jesus. Because there's nothing and no one better than Jesus. And the author starts here by answering this question, is God silent? How has God spoken? And the first three verses unpack this question for the first readers and for us today to give us confidence as we live that God is not silent, that God has indeed spoken. And he points us to where and how exactly 
God has spoken. And he does this to give us confidence today, confidence and instead of drifting away from God and the gospel, to run to him and to cling to his good news of life in Jesus. And the first thing we see here is that Jesus is God's final word. Have a look at verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. We're reminded straight up in verse 1, in the beginning here, that God is a speaking God. He's not a silent God. And we see this right here. And we're reminded right to the beginning in Genesis, where God spoke and the universe was created. And here the author, he contrasts two ways that God has spoken in history. And the first way is in the past, or long ago, God spoke to the fathers, talking about Abraham and Moses and all those guys, all the generations of Old Testament Israel. And God, he spoke by the prophets, messengers, different people, different ways, mouthpieces that God chose to speak through from Moses to Malachi, Joseph to Jonah, and we've seen this all through the Old Testament. And it was a piece-by-piece message. It was kind of like this unsolved jigsaw puzzle. He said, she said, all these bits and pieces spanning more than 1,500 years including different modes from prophecies to proverbs and psalms, dreams, even speaking through donkeys, if you remember. That's how God spoke in the past. But the second way God speaks, in fact, the final way God speaks in these last days, or now, today, God has spoken by his Son. God has spoken by his son. And the word spoken here, it's a perfect tense for the grammar geeks. It means it's completed, it's done, it's a definitive work, and it also means something for us today. So God's spoken in these last days, his final word, and his final word is his son, Jesus. No more, no less. You see, there's no going back from Jesus because God's complete message is found in him, not in the prophets, not in their unfinished message. So if you want to go back to this old ritual land, whether it be Jewish festivals, sacrifices, temple offerings, waiting for God to speak, which is a movement on the rise today, or if you want to go back to your own old ways, your idolatrous ways, listening to the ways of the world, of our society. God's saying here, don't do it. Don't drift away. God's saying, Jesus is my final, complete, and definitive word. And if you want to move past Jesus to spiritual experiences, saying the cross is not enough, that we need gifts, visions, dreams on top of Jesus, all your best life now, Jesus plus this, Jesus plus my health and wealth, plus my fame and fortune. God's also implying in this, 
don't do it. Don't drift away. Jesus is my final, complete, and definitive word. So how does Jesus being God's final word affect you, affect us today? Or maybe this morning you're hearing this and you're still curious about God, you haven't followed Jesus yet, or you've been to a church for a long time and you've never taken God seriously. Well, if Jesus is God's final word, that means that if you want to know more about God, if you want to find out what the God of the Bible is like, or Hebrews is saying, look to Jesus. Look to who he is. Look at what he's done for you and what it means to live for Jesus. Jesus is God's final word. It means that living for God, believing in God, it's all about living for Jesus, believing in Jesus, paying attention to Jesus. For most of you this morning, you know and you believe Jesus is God's final word. Well, let me ask you today, are you listening to him? Do you look to Jesus when you want to hear from God? Are you paying attention to Jesus? Or are you looking for something more than Jesus? Something other than Jesus? Or maybe you've even gone back to rituals instead of Jesus. The whole topic of hearing God speak today, you hear things like God speaks mysteriously, secretly, it's subjective dreams and visions. When God says in these last days, including today, that it's not subjective, it's not mysterious, he's spoken clearly and simply, and it's in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's final word. Listen to him. Hear his saving message. You might not hear every single detail of what God wants you to do, but you'll hear his call for you to live for him as Lord and Savior in all of life. Don't drift away from Jesus. Well, we've worked through a verse and a half or so. Uh, you see the author here, he skipped all the usual greetings. Hi, this is me, how are you going? Uh, all the happy comments. He's even forgotten to write his name here, which causes a lot of debate in Christian circles because this guy, he's so keen to put Jesus as front and center. Well, as we keep going, uh, every time I've had to revisit my resume, and I did this a lot in my poor uni student days, my ego gets a bit big as I write down all my credentials or supposed credentials, how experienced I am, what I can do, how nice a person I am, how hardworking, driven I can be. Sure, I can speak three or four different languages. Sure, I'm an expert in Microsoft and all that kind of stuff. Sure, I'm organized, you know all the words. But if we have a look here, at the resume of Jesus in these next verse and a half, we find as we read these credentials that no one is greater than Jesus the Son. No one is closer to the Father than Jesus the Son. No one beats the credentials 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen that Jesus is God's final word. And as we look here, we also see that Jesus is God's supreme word. And we want to, we ought to listen to and pay attention to this guy here, Jesus. We don't want to drift away from Jesus because nothing and no one is better than Jesus. Verse 2 and 3. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Here we see a number of statements, credentials of the Son, Jesus. And this morning, I'm going to highlight six statements as we go through them. And I want each of us to consider this morning that Jesus, he is worth sticking to. He's worth listening to, paying attention to, because no one and nothing is better than him. So first, he's the one whom God appointed the heir of all things. You see, Jesus isn't just any old messenger. He's not just a prophet. He's not some random guy that God chose to use. He's not your average messenger or a postman on a bike. He's much more than that. He's the heir. He's God's own son, the true king. And his inheritance, Jesus, his kingdom is all things, all of creation. And if Jesus is truly the heir, he's important, he's supreme, he's worth paying attention to. Second, through whom also he created the world, Jesus, he was there. He was there at the beginning of creation. He existed as part of the Godhead before the world was formed. But more than that, he's God's agent in creation. That means that everything was made by Jesus and for Jesus. Colossians 1, chapter 1, John chapter 1, Jesus is central in God's creating work of the universe and all that's in the universe. You see, Jesus, God's agent in creation, he is worth paying attention to. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Well, these are two statements. They parallel each other. And in the Greek is actually one phrase, and it makes sense because those two statements, sides, phrases, they're saying the same thing. They're saying that Jesus is God. The word that's used here is for a coin that's being made or a seal on wax. And when these things are produced, it's the exact imprint, the coin, the seal, they're exact matches of the original, like for like, substance for substance, character for character, which is actually the word in Greek that's used here, character. You see, Jesus is God. 
And when we see Jesus, we see the Father. And if we want to know God, then we're to look to Jesus. You see, you can't say you worship God, that you follow God, without saying that you worship Jesus or you follow Jesus. They're inseparable. They're synonymous because Jesus is God. He's God the Son, fully divine, revealing God to mankind as we sung before. Fourth, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. For those of you who know Greek ancient mythology, uh, there's a guy, uh, there's this image, a statue of a titan called Atlas, and this guy, he carries the earth. He was apparently sentenced to this task. And this guy, Atlas, he looks pain, he looks suffering, sustaining the whole world. But in God's word, it's no sweat for Jesus. He's the creator, and he also sustains the world. He maintains, he keeps everything in being. Even right now, we're here, we're still alive, we're breathing because Jesus is sustaining the universe. Spurgeon says of this, infinite and an infant, eternal yet born of a woman, almighty yet hanging on a woman's breast, supporting a universe and yet needing to be carried in a mother's arms, king of angels and yet reputed son of Joseph, heir of all things and yet the carpenter's despised son. This Jesus that became one of us, born as a baby, walked on the earth, and as we come to Easter this week, who died our death and rose into new life. He's the one sustaining our universe right this very moment. For those of you who know me well, I'm not a fan of deep sea diving. Don't make me do it. But I would imagine that when you're diving, you wouldn't want to separate from your oxygen tank. It's a stupid idea, isn't it? because it's sustaining you. It gives you life. And likewise, it's a silly move to drift away from and separate from the one who sustains life, the one who sustains the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. Second last, after making purification for sins. You see, Jesus made purification for sins. It's done. Our sin, our sin that made us unclean, it needed paying for. It required a payment that we could never pay ourselves. And Jesus, he paid it for us. He paid it for us by his life as a perfect substitute in our place. And as we come towards Easter, it's this purification of sins that we reflect on. We remember the cross of Jesus, the central work of Jesus, the center of the Bible, the center of God's work in the world. We remember that before the throne of God, that we're lost in our sins, that you and I, we have no hope in and of ourselves, but God made a way in Jesus. And our plea today is Christ and Christ alone. 
and here it's done. He says, after making purification, it's done. The work of the cross has dealt with finally and completely my sin and your sin. Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose on high. And nowhere else, no one else, nothing else can purify you from your sins except Jesus and Jesus alone. That's how supreme Jesus is. He's worth sticking with and he's worth paying attention to. Last comment in this resume. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You see, while Easter happens every year, last year, this year, next year, and beyond, the truths that we celebrate in Easter are final and complete. It's not up for discussion every year, did Jesus die or did he not, because Jesus finished the work he came to do. And the author of the Hebrews highlights this here. While all the priests stand up and do their business in the temple year after year after year after year, Jesus, he sat down at the right hand. His work is done. His work is complete and final. And Jesus sits at the most honored seat in all the heavens, God's right hand. You see, with our sin problem, Jesus says, believe in me, and it's all done and dusted. I'm at God's right hand. I'm sitting down, and I'm pleading your case to the Father. As we come to Easter, we remember that Jesus' work is complete, that Christ died, sins paid for once for all, and Christ rose again, Death defeated once for all. You see, there's no point celebrating Easter. There's no point celebrating any Sunday, in fact, or any day or moment if Jesus and his saving work wasn't complete. But that's what the author of the Hebrews reminds us of here. It's all done. Case closed. Completed. And that's why Jesus is God's supreme word, God's final word. No one and nothing is better than Jesus. So as we finish off this morning, as we come to Easter this week, as we live for Jesus day by day, Jesus is indeed God's final and supreme word. Don't drift away from Jesus. Instead, listen to him, pay attention to him, rest in the eternal life that comes from Jesus alone. Rejoice in his greatness and his goodness. Put him first and in the center of all your life. Where else have we to go except Jesus, who has the words of eternal life? So maybe this morning, you find yourself distant from God, or maybe you're waiting and wanting to hear from God. Or maybe this morning you're eager to engage with God. You're curious. You want to know God, and you want to worship Him and give Him praise. Well, as you seek God's face today, 
no matter whatever's happening in your life right now. God, through the author of the Hebrews, he says, look to Jesus. Listen to him. Pay attention to him. Know that only Jesus gives you life. And rejoice in who he is and what Christ has done for you. Jesus is God's supreme and final word. Let's pray. Lord God, it's a great time of the year to remember your saving work, that you sent Jesus to dwell among us as a man, that he lived the perfect life, he died our death for our sins, and he rose on high, seated at your right hand. Lord, as we come to this Easter period, as we stop for a break over the coming week or so, as we're reminded yet again of the cross of Calvary, help us to know, Lord God, that Jesus is your final word, that all you've worked in our world has been pointing to the coming of your Son, our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father God, help us to know that Jesus is your supreme word, that we delight in him, his greatness, his goodness, his love for us, and his free gift of life and salvation. Lord God, remind us that no one and nothing is better than your son and life in Jesus. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Josh. I invite you to stand as we conclude our service this morning. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hope, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to Him. Oh, how strange and divine, I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, he will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, his power is displayed. To this I hold. My shepherd will defend me through the deep.
deep his valley he will leave Oh, the night has been won And I shall overcome Yet not I, but through Christ in me No fate I dread, I know I am forsaken. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. And he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold. My sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing, I am free. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. With every breath I long to follow Jesus For he has said that he will bring me home And day by day I know he will renew me Until I stand with joy before the throne To this I hold my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. When the race is complete, Still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Invite you to stay for morning tea and our monthly prayer after morning tea finishes. Let's pray as we close today's service. Father God, we're reminded this morning that Jesus is your final and supreme word. Help us to pay attention to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives in and abides in us. Forgive us, Lord, for the times when we have itchy ears and listen to the words of the world. Lord, as we leave this morning, help us to remember that you have spoken ultimately, finally, and supremely, and it's only the words of Jesus that lead to eternal life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.